The following story is certified grim for dark themes and upsetting situations and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello there and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes and with me on this journey is my co-host Mr Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading... The story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! A certain father had two sons, the elder of whom was smart and sensible and could do everything. But the younger was stupid and could neither learn nor understand anything. And when people saw him, they said... Now there's a fellow who will give his father some trouble. <laughs> that has completely taken Adam <laughs> off guard. Um, wow. Yeah. Straight out, the, the one brother literally can do everything, and the other yeah. brother can literally do nothing. Yeah. And brings his father trouble. I'd just like to say at the outset, I think this is the longest story in the whole collection. Of the whole canon. No so, way. So Buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy one. Get ready. <laughs> when anything had to be done, it was always the elder who was forced to do it, the smart one. But if his father asked him to fetch anything when it was late or in the night, and the way led through the churchyard or any other dismal place, he answered, Oh no, father, I will not go there. It makes me shudder, for he was afraid. Oh, wow. Or when stories were told by the fire at night which made the flesh creep, the listeners sometimes said, Oh, it makes us shudder. What? Whose story? What? So basically, the eldest son, the smart one, if he's asked to do something at night time that's a little bit creepy, yeah. you know, walking through a churchyard a at night, churchyard. or people are telling scary stories around the fire. Oh, then he's... He says, and other people say, Oh, it makes us shudder. Oh, that's him telling us that. Right, got you. Shudder is basically the equivalent of being afraid in this story. Got you. The younger, stupid guy, sat in a corner and listened with the rest of them to the story around the fire. And he could not imagine what they, what they meant. They're always saying, it makes me shudder, it makes me shudder. It does not make me shudder, thought he. That too must be an art of which I understand nothing. Now it came to pass that his father said to him one day, Listen to me, you fellow in the corner there. You are growing tall and strong, and you too must learn something by which you can earn your living. Look how your brother works, but you do not even earn your salt. Well, father, he replied, I'm quite willing to learn something. Indeed, if it could but be managed, I should like to learn how to shudder. I don't understand that at all yet. (laughs) Is that a career option? The elder brother smiled when he heard that and thought to himself, Good God, what a blockhead that brother of mine is. (laughs) He he would... (laughs) What a blockhead. What a dirt brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. He will never be good for anything as long as he lives. He who wants to be a sickle must bend himself early. This is the brother thinking <laughs> Whoa, this. Whoa, let me unpack that one. It's, it's quite a beautiful metaphor from this clever brother. It's basically saying you're, you get set in your ways. Right. I suppose because a sickle is bent, right? So if yeah, the metal so cools down and it's straight. malleable at a young age and Indeed. less so. Okay, all got right. you. We're good. All right, we're all good to go. Okay, let's go. Let's go, guys. The father sighed and answered him, you shall soon learn what it is to shudder, but that will not earn you your bread. Now, soon after this, the sexton came to the house on a visit. The who? The sexton. Okay. Do you know what a sexton is? I think it's someone who, like, looks after churches and graveyards, like, sort of does manual work. Uh, okay, right, right. 
uh, so the sexton's come on a visit. Okay. And the father bewailed his trouble and told him how his younger son was so backward in every respect that he knew nothing and learned nothing. Just think, said he, when I asked him what he was going to earn his bread with, he actually wanted to learn to shudder. Oh, what a moron. <laughs> what a blockhead. Oh, if that be all, replied the sexton, he can learn that with me. Send him to me and I will soon polish him. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'll soon polish him. They've got away with words. These they people. really have. Blockhead. So the father was happy to do this, for he thought it will train the boy a little. So the sexton took the boy, the stupid boy, into his own house and he had to ring the bell in the church. Now, after a day or two, the sexton awoke him at midnight and bade him arise and go into the church tower and ring the bell. Mm-hmm. So he's asked the, the, the stupid boy to ring the bell ring at it midnight. At midnight, yeah. And he thought, you shall soon learn what shuddering is. Ooh. And he secretly went up into the bell tower before the boy. And when the boy was at the top of the tower and he turned around and he was just about to take hold of the bell rope, he saw a white figure standing on the stairs opposite the sounding hole. Uh-oh. Who is there? cried he. But the figure made no reply and did not move or stir. Give an answer, cried the boy, or take yourself off. You have no business here at night. The sexton, however, remained standing motionless that the boy might think he was a ghost. Wow. So he's thinking, I'm going to trick him into thinking I'm a ghost and freak him out. Did he say it's white? So is he wearing a sheet? He's just wearing a sheet. Yeah, just like classic ghost. Exactly. The boy cried a second time. What do you want here? Speak if you're an honest fellow, or I'll throw you down the steps. Oh. The sexton thought, he can't intend to be as bad as his words. So he uttered no sound and just stood there as if he were made of stone. And then the boy called a third time. And as that was also to no avail, he ran against him and pushed the ghost down the stairs so that it fell down ten steps and remained lying in a corner. Oh, brutal. Thereupon, he rang the bell, went home, and without saying a word, went to bed and fell asleep. (laughs) Excellent. He did his job. Good boy. Now the sexton's wife waited a long time for her husband, but he didn't come back. And she started to feel uneasy and scared and worried. So she went and wakened the boy and asked, Do you know where my husband is? He climbed up the tower before you did. No, I don't know, replied the boy. But someone was standing by the sounding hole on the other side of the steps. And as he would neither give an answer nor go away, I took him for a scoundrel and threw him downstairs. Just go there and you'll see if it was he. I should be sorry if it were. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite uh, nonchalant about the whole thing. The woman ran in great haste and she found her husband who was lying moaning in the corner with a broken leg. (laughs) She carried him down. She's pretty strong. Wow. And then with loud screams, she hastened to the boy's father. Your boy, she, she cried, has been the cause of a great misfortune. He's thrown my husband down the steps and made him break his leg. Take the good for nothing fellow away from our house. Wow. And the father was, was terrified and he ran there and scolded the boy. What wicked tricks are these, said he. The devil must have put this into your head. Father, replied he, do listen to me. I'm quite innocent. He was standing there by night like one who was intending to do some evil. I did not know who it was and I warned him three times either to speak or to go away. That's fair. Ah, said the father, I have nothing but unhappiness with you. Go out of my sight. I will see you no more. Wow. Yes, father, right willingly. Wait only until it is day. Then I will go forth and learn how to shudder and then I shall at any rate understand one art which will support me. I'll learn what you will, said the father. It is all the same to me. Here are fifty talers. Take these and go into the wide world and tell no one of where you come and who is your father, for I have reason to be ashamed of you. Oh, brutal. Yes, father. It shall be as you will. If you desire nothing more than that, I can easily keep it in mind. (laughs) There's plenty of space there in his mind. Plenty. (laughs) (laughs) So day dawned. He put his fifty talers into his pocket and he went forth on the great highway. 
the great highway. The great wow. highway. And continually said to himself, if I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. A man approached him who'd overheard this conversation he was having with himself. And when they walked a little further to where they could see the gallows, the man said to him, look, there is the tree where seven men have married the rope maker's daughter and are now learning how to fly. What? What? <laughs> I love their way with words. Wow. Meaning seven blokes that have been hanged. Yes. Not <laughs> literally, not married the rope maker's daughter and learned to fly. Then, now that it's would like be a, a story. A rite of passage in that particular area. <laughs> I do right now. Flap your arms. Sit down below it and wait till night comes and you will soon learn how to shudder. Huh, if that's all that's wanted, answered the youth, it is easily done. But if I learn how to shudder as fast as that, you shall have my 50 tallers. Just come back to me early in the morning. So now he's paying him to learn. I thought he's going to earn his living shuddering. Now he's paying to shudder. <laughs> well, it's an investment. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So he's basically been told, sit down yeah. around the dead man in the night and you'll learn how to be afraid and the boy said i'll give you my 50 oh their bodies are just lying there are they they're hanging they're just dangling oh they're just in the ah, gallows. okay yeah i haven't taken them learning to yet. fly <laughs> then the youth went to the gallows sat down below it and waited until the evening and as he was cold he lighted himself a fire but at midnight the wind was blowing very sharply and in spite of his fire he could not get warm and as the wind knocked the hang men against each other and they moved backwards and forwards he thought to himself you shiver below down by the fire but how those up there must freeze and suffer. And he felt pity for them, for the oh, corpses. That's nice. And he raised the ladder, climbed up, unbound one of them after the other and brought down all seven. Then he stirred the fire, blew it and set them all around it to warm themselves. But as they did not stir and the fire caught their clothes, he said, take care, I'll hang you up again. The dead men, however, did not hear, but were quite silent and their rags went on burning. <laughs> I mean... Do you see what's happening here? Yeah, he's not the, the sharpest tool in the shed, is he? No. So he thinks they're just cold, warms them by the fire, their clothes catch light, and now he's going to hang them back up again while they're burning. Essentially set fire to some hanging men. Yes, wow. some corpses. Wow. So picture the scene, he's sitting around a fire with seven corpses <laughs> that are catching fire. <laughs> Completely oblivious, just having a conversation. And he's getting angry with them. <laughs> Come on, mate. If you will not take care, I cannot help you. I will not be burnt with you. And he hung them back up again, each in their turn. Then he sat down by the fire and fell asleep. And the next morning, the man came to him and wanted to have the 50 tallers and said, well, do you know how to shudder? So he's thinking, I've got that 50 tallers. No, answered he. How was I to get to know? Those fellows up there did not open their mouths and were so stupid that they let the few old rags which they had on their bodies get burnt. And the man saw that he wouldn't get his 50 tallers. And he went away saying, oh, one of this kind has never come my way before. <laughs> no one this stupid. Mm. The youth likewise went his way and once more began to mutter to himself, if I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. Now a wagoner was striding behind him Ooh. and he heard that and he said, who are you? And the youth answered, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't even know that. He's getting stupider. <laughs> wow. The wagoner asked, from where do you come? I do not know. Who's your father? That I may not tell you. Because he's not allowed. His father said, don't tell anyone. Uh, Oh, he's taking that to heart. Okay. What is it that you always mutter in between your teeth? Ah, replied the youth. I do so wish I could shudder, but no one can teach me how to do it. Give up your foolish chatter, said the wagoner. (laughs) Amazing. It's a brilliant line. It's great. Come, go with me. 
I will see about a place for you. So the youth went with the wagoner, and in the evening they arrived at an inn where they wished to pass the night. The boy entered his room and again started saying quite loudly, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. Uh, there the host heard this and laughed. <laughs> so the innkeeper, and he said, yeah. If that's your desire, there ought to be a good opportunity for you here. Ah, be silent, said the hostess, his wife. So many inquisitive persons have already lost their lives. It would be a pity and a shame if such beautiful eyes as these should never see daylight again. So hold up, what? Uh, what she, uh-huh. So they've overheard him saying, if I could but shudder. Now the innkeeper says, oh, if that's your desire, there's a good opportunity around these parts. And the wife says, don't say that. He's a very beautiful eyes and I don't want him to die. Oh. He's a handsome chap. Wow. That's what we've learned. This yeah. is taking a turn. But the youth said, well, however difficult it may be, I will learn it. For this purpose, I have journeyed forth. And he let the host have no rest. He was badgering him and pestering him until later that day, the host told him that not far from the inn stood a haunted castle where anyone could very easily learn what shuddering was if he would but sleep in it for three nights. Mm. The king had promised that he who would venture should have his daughter as wife, and she was the most beautiful maiden the sun shone on. Great treasures likewise lay in the castle which were guarded by evil spirits, and these treasures would be freed and would make a poor man rich enough. Already many men had gone into the castle, but as yet none had come out again. The youth went the next morning to the king and said if he were allowed to watch for three nights in the haunted castle. The king looked at him, and as the youth pleased him, he said, You may ask for three things to take into the castle with you, but they must be things without life. And then the boy answered, Then I ask for fire, a turning lathe, and a cutting board with a knife. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Then the king had these things carried into the castle for him during the day. When night was drawing near, the youth went up and made himself a bright fire in one of the rooms, placed the cutting board and knife beside it, and seated himself by the turning lathe. Ah, if I could but shudder. But I shall not learn it here either, said he. So, he's in the haunted castle. Yeah. King's given him permission. If he stays for the three nights... The big, the three-night challenge. He gets the daughter. He gets the beautiful daughter. And he's taken with him a fire. Smart. Yeah. A turning lathe. Yeah, what is, what's he doing that? I don't really know what that is. I think it's like a sort of tool. Yeah, thing. so a lathe is it, something that... You put something in it and it spins it round and then a sort of yeah. chisel comes in from the side and you, you use it to make circular things like bowls, okay. spindles. You can plane stuff with it. Yeah, but it's because it's spinning round, it makes things circular, if that oh, makes sense. Top top knowledge there. There you go. So what's he doing with that? Fashion, wow. Whittling a bowl. Uh, and he's got a cutting board with a knife as well. Now, yeah. here we go. Night one. Night one, okay. Towards midnight. He was about to poke his fire, and as he was blowing it, something cried suddenly from one corner. Ow, meow, how cold we are. You simpletons, cried he. What are you crying about? If you are cold, come and take a seat by the fire and warm yourselves. And when he said that, two great black cats came with one tremendous leap and sat down on each side of him and looked savagely at him with their fiery eyes. Wow. So two gigantic black cats are either side of him now. I'd like that. Oh, yeah, you're a big yeah, cat person. Yeah. You didn't expect cats in this story. No. <laughs> it really came out of left field. I'm liking it, though. After a short time, when they had warmed themselves, they said, Comrade, shall we have a game at cards? Why not? He replied. But just show me your paws. <laughs> then they stretched out their claws. Oh, said he, what long nails you have. Wait, I must first cut them for you. Thereupon he seized them by the throats, put them on the cutting board, and screwed their feet fast. 
I've looked at your fingernails, said he, and my fancy for car playing is gone. And he struck them dead and threw them out into the water. What? But when he made away with these two and was about to sit again by the fire, out from every hole and corner came black cats and black dogs with red hot chains, and more and more of them came until he could no longer stir, and they yelled horribly and got on his fire, pulling it to pieces, trying to put it out. He watched them for a while quietly, but at last, when they were going too far, he seized his cutting knife and cried, Away with ye vermin! and began to cut them down. Part of them ran away, but the others he killed and threw out into the fish pond. <laughs> Whoa, I, I did not see that coming. <laughs> I mean, that fish pond is pretty full. <laughs> Those poor, like, carp are like, what are you doing? What is going on? Uh, when he came back, he fanned the embers of his fire again and warmed himself. And as he thus sat, his eyes would keep open no longer, and he felt a desire to sleep. Then he looked around and saw a great bed in the corner. That is the very thing for me, said he, and got into it. And when he was just about to shut his eyes, however, the bed began to move of its own accord and went over the whole of the castle. <laughs> so he just gets in the bed, the bed's like, and ah, we're off. <laughs> Would that scare you? Would that make you shudder? I mean... Yeah, yeah to be honest, I that, think it might. If that came out of the blue, yes. But if I just murdered, like... 50 black dogs and cats so I might be alright bit weird it's pretty weird you get in a bed like a giant bed oh that looks good and then the bed just <laughs> just takes off <laughs> round the whole castle <laughs> that's right said he but go faster <laughs> he's not scared he's loving it that's got Adam. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> his first reaction that's right <laughs> Amazing. Did he go to sleep and then wake up and like, whoop, that's right. <laughs> then the bed rolled on as if six horses were harnessed to it, up and down, over thresholds and steps. But suddenly, hop, hop, it turned over upside down. <laughs> <laughs> and lay on him like a mountain. What, what a beautiful simile. <laughs> I don't so, so the bed's flipped over <laughs> and it's crushing hop, hop. him. And he's like, that's right. <laughs> but it's not never fear. He threw quilts and pillows up in the air, got out and said, now anyone who likes may drive and lay down by his fire and slept till it was day. So he's having none So of it that. wasn't like a mountain. Yeah, it's a little over the top maybe. And this is just night one, isn't it? <laughs> yes. That's night one. But he's done it. He's done night one. Yeah, good man. In the morning, the king came. And when he saw him lying there on the ground, he thought evil spirits had killed him and he was dead. And he said, After all, it is a pity. He's a handsome man. The youth heard it, got up, and said, It's not come to that yet. <laughs> then the king was astonished, but very glad, and asked how he had fated. Oh, very well indeed, answered he. One night has passed. Just two others will get over likewise. Then he went to the innkeeper. So he's got the day to himself now. He's got the day free. Okay. Well, he went to the innkeeper, who opened his eyes very wide and said, Oh, I never expected to see you alive again. Have you learned how to shudder yet? No, said he. It's all in vain. If someone would but tell me. The second night, he went up again to the old castle, sat down by the fire, and once more began his old song, If I Could But Shudder. That's went, a song now, is it? Yeah. If I Could But Shudder. Summer hit. The new single. <laughs> when midnight came, an uproar and noise of tumbling about was heard. Oh. Here we go. It's kicking off again. Oh, can't wait. At first it was low, but it grew louder and louder. And then it was quiet for a while again. And at length, with a loud scream, half a man came down the chimney and fell before him. What? Half a man? 
Hollow, cried he. <laughs> Hollow? H-O-L-L-O. Hollow! Hollow! Another half belongs to this. This is too little. <laughs> then the uproar began again, and there was a roaring and howling, and the other half fell down likewise. Wait, said the youth. I'll just blow the fire a little for you. And when he had done that and sorted out the fire and he looked round again, the two pieces were joined together and a frightful man was sitting in his place. So he's sitting in the youth's place, oh, this wow. two-half man. That's not part of our bargain, said the youth. <laughs> the bench is mine. The, the, other, the man wanted to push the youth away. So this is my bench now. Yeah. The youth, however, would not allow that, but thrust him off with all his strength and seated himself again in his own place. So he's pushed the man off the bench. And now still more men fell down one after the other. They brought nine dead men's legs and two skulls and set them up and played nine pins with them. (laughs) So they started playing bowling. Nine pins. So this is the precursor to ten pin bowling, was it? Far superior. With dead men's legs and skulls. Yeah, so the the legs are are the pins pins and the skulls are the bowling balls. Skulls are not going to roll very evenly. That's not going to work out well. Well, the youth thought about that as well. Oh, okay. So he wants to play and he says, Can I join you? Yes, if you have any money. (laughs) Money enough, replied he. But your balls are not quite round. (laughs) (laughs) They said, excuse me. Then he took the skulls and put them in the lathe and turned them till they were round. So he'd been anticipating this. Yeah, how did... Wait a minute. Is he like super smart? There, now they will roll better, said he. Hurrah, now it goes merrily. He played with them and lost some of his money. But when it it struck 12, everything vanished from his sight. He lay down and quietly fell asleep. Now next morning, the king came again to inquire. How has it fared with you this time? Asked he. I've been playing at nine pins and I've lost a couple of farthings. Have you not shuddered then? Eh? What? I've made merry if I did but know what it was to shudder. So that's night two done. That's night two. Wow. Sorted. Quite a fun night, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Game of nine pins with the lads. He had a little argy-bargy at the beginning, pushing yeah, the guy yeah. off his bench. Okay, so third night, he sat down again on his bench. His lovely, he loves that bench. He's loving it. And he sat quite sadly. Oh. Oh, no, he said quite sadly. Oh, okay. If I could but shudder. Oh, he needs to shudder. When it grew late, six tall men came in and brought a coffin. And he said, Ha-ha! That is certainly my little cousin who died only a few days ago. <laughs> And he beckoned with his finger and cried, Come, little cousin, come. <laughs> so the six tall men placed the coffin on the ground, but he went to it and took the lid off, and a dead man lay therein. He felt his face, and it was as cold as ice. Stop, said he. I will warm you a little. And went to the fire, warmed his hand, and then laid it on the dead man's face, but he remained cold. Then he took him out, so he took him out of the coffin, and sat, da- sat him down by the fire, and laid him on his breast and rubbed his arms that the blood might circulate again. As this also did no good, he thought to himself, hmm, when two people lie in bed together, they warm each other. What? And he carried him to the bed, covered him <laughs> over, and lay down by him. After a short time, the dead man became warm too and began, and began to move. Then said the youth, See, little cousin, have I not warmed you? Wait, oh, I forgot it's his cousin. It's his cousin. Oh, okay. The dead man, however, got up and cried, Now I will strangle you! What? What? said he. Is that your way to thank me? Yeah. You shall at once go into your coffin again. <laughs> and he took him up, threw him into it, and shut the lid. <laughs> then the six tall men came back and carried him away. <sighs> I cannot manage to shudder, said he. I shall never learn it here as long as I live. Then a man entered, it's not over yet, who was taller than all the others and looked terrible. 
This is like the, the boss level. Yeah, this yeah. This is the final hurdle. Yeah. He was old, however, and had a long white beard. You wretch, cried he. You shall soon learn what it is to shudder, for you shall die. Not so fast, replied the youth. If I am to die, I shall have to have a say in it. I will soon seize you, said the fiend. Softly, softly, do not talk so big. I'm as strong as you are, and perhaps even stronger. We shall see, said the old man. If you are stronger, I will let you go. Come, we will try. So the old, basically now he, he needs to prove Thumb that he's more. stronger. <laughs> uh, then he led him down dark passages to a smith's forge. They took an axe, this is the old man, took an axe, and with one blow struck an anvil into the ground. Pretty strong. That is pretty strong. I couldn't do that. I can do better than that, Ooh. said the youth, and went to the other anvil. The old man placed himself near because he wanted to look on and, and see how good he, see how strong he was. Uh, and his white beard hung down nearby. Then the youth seized the axe, split the anvil with one blow, and struck the old man's beard with it. So I think the, the beard was sort of dangling near the anvil, yeah. so it got caught up in the axe. Oh, nice. Now I have you, said the youth. Now it is you who will have to die. Then he seized an iron bar and beat the old man till he moaned and entreated him to stop and he would give him great riches. The youth drew out the axe and let him go. So he's beaten the old man with a pole. Almost to death and he's agreed to give him some riches. Mm -hmm. The old man led him back into the castle and in a cellar showed him three chests full of gold. Of these, said he, one part is for the poor, one for the king, the third is yours. In the meantime, it struck twelve, and the spirit disappeared. The youth, therefore, was left in complete darkness. He thought, I'll still be able to find my way out, and he basically crawled back to his, his room with his, his lovely bench, and he slept by the fire. Now, the next morning, the king came and said, Now you must have learned what shuddering is. No, he answered. What can it be? My dear cousin was here, and a bearded man came and showed me a great deal of money down below, but no one told me what it is to shudder. Then, said the king, you have delivered the castle from enchantment and you shall marry my daughter. That's very well. But still, I do not know what it is to shudder. (laughs) He's not really interested. (laughs) It's like, all right, but I want to shudder. Then the gold was brought up and the wedding celebrated. But however much the young king loved his wife and however happy he was, he still always said, if I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. And at last his wife was angry at this and her waiting maid said, I'll find a cure for him. He will soon learn what it is to shudder. So it's now in the hands of the the maid of the queen, of the princess. She went out to the stream, which flowed through the garden, and had a whole bucket full of gudgeons brought to her. Gudgeons? Kind of fish. Oh, okay. And at night, when the young king was sleeping, his wife was to draw the clothes off him and empty the bucket full of cold water with the gudgeons in it over him so that the little fishes would sprawl about him. When this was done, he woke up and cried... Oh, what makes me shudder so? What makes me shudder so, dear wife? Aha! Now I know what it is to shudder. The end. speechless <laughs> that is by f- far the most epic one we've had yet 
That beats Three Little Men in the Woods. That beats How Six Men Got On in the World. I mean, just those three nights alone. They are completely bonkers. Like it, It's like the brothers Grimm just went mental for a week <laughs> and just came up with this bonkers story. It's kind of bizarre, isn't it? It's so bizarre. So basically, there's two brothers, a smart one, and supposedly a stupid one. A smart one that can do everything, a dumb yeah. one that can do nothing. Quite specifically, he doesn't know what fear is. It takes a modicum of intelligence to be afraid of something. If you're that stupid, you're not afraid of anything. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not something you would associate with intelligence, necessarily. But this fear. story seems to... Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it stops calling him stupid after the beginning, but it's almost like saying you, you can't function in the world without fear. He's just an idiot. He doesn't understand when you're meant to be afraid and yeah. when you're not, and he can't engage with the stories around the fire. Like, to not have fear is to somehow not be human. In, if you want to take a step back, you could almost say only in marriage does he learn what fear is. Haha. <laughs> or oh, right, marriage see. makes him more human as well. You become yeah. human by learning fear. But, but ultimately, mean, it was having mm. fish poured on him in his bed Yes, brought the fear. Makes him shudder. Yeah. Maybe he's got a phobia of fish. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually quite a, a terrible story. That You've touched on a point there that I thought, is learning fear good or is it bad? So it's good to learn fear because he's ostracized and frustrated. No one likes him or understands his behavior. Mm. And it makes him more human, possibly. But maybe it's bad to learn fear because without the fear, he becomes the king and gets rich. So, like, if you're yeah. brave and strong... That's virtuous. And So, is it good to learn to fear or bad? I feel like they're saying it's good to learn to fear. Yeah. I feel like they're saying you need fear. But at the same time, so, in not having fear, he goes quite a long way. But, yeah, he's the protagonist and he wins in the end, right? He gets a queen and lots of riches. Yeah. Actually, did he get the riches? Because I feel like the bloke showed him the riches and he was like, oh yeah, and then crawled back out and went back to his bench. Yeah. I don't really understand I, that. I think it's specifically said at some point that the king sent his men into the castle because the curse is now lifted, so it's not haunted anymore. Uh, and they right. probably rummaged around. Uh, now, the other thing about this story is that it's, it's kind of a horror story. Yes. But it's also possibly a bit of a comedy. Hmm. It's really yeah. over the top. You can imagine people telling this story and kids screaming and laughing and yeah. people being like, Ugh. it's the first example possibly of that tricky genre, the comedy horror. The comedy horror? Yeah, like Get Out or something. Like Get Out or like uh, Shaun of the Dead exactly, or something. Yeah. Yeah. They've, uh, this is the first ever comedy horror film. <laughs> Not film. <laughs> well, it could I, be. I think it could be. I think. Do you, what do you reckon? Out of all the ones we've done so far, what the best candidate for a film would be i would put this up there for sure that's a very good three little men in the wood would be good well i mean actually to be fair how six men got on in the world would be a great film i think i think that actually yeah that yeah. would take that takes the biscuit okay thumbling would be a good film that would be a good film <laughs> with like a little cgi thumb <laughs> man exactly like, no being eaten <laughs> by the cow yeah this is this is a good candidate though i think the other thing about this story that i thought is that usually in our stories being brave is good. Being brave gets you what you want. But they're usually quite wily and outwit people. But in this, he just beats them up. Yes. No, it's very um, sort of laissez-faire and nonchalant about its level of violence. Yeah. And is he brave? He's so mm. stupid, he's not afraid to take people on. Yeah. That's not quite the same as bravery, is it? Because being brave means overcoming no, the fear. It, exactly, yeah. It's not brave to not feel the fear and do it. Exactly, that's just stupidity. 
the most horrible image for me is him taking down the men who are hanging yeah. and warming them by the fire. Just imagine seeing that, like six corpses around a fire, yeah. sort of catching on fire with a, this mad guy in the middle shouting That's the at thing, them. Because there's so many layers to that. So you think, okay, there's this guy who's really thick and he's come across this horrendous situation, these seven men like hanging, dead men hanging. Learning to fly. And so you've got this simpleton mm. who's shown pity on these dead people mm. trying to warm them up. But in doing so, he's burning these corpses. That is so dark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind Very of bizarre. Odd. Kind of. I mean... Totally. My, my brain's kind of fried. You can't... That do, story. Yeah. yeah. It's short-circuited, Adam. Um, Maybe it's saying dedication and commitment can get you far. So you, he's... He really wants to learn how to shudder. He's not just like, I can't shudder, and that's yeah. fine. He's like, I, I want to learn how to shudder. And so being dedicated and committed helps. However, I feel like there's perhaps, this isn't like a moral story. This isn't a, you know, a something that you can learn no. from. It's more that line of funny and horrifying. It's, so it's meant to be a kind of exciting story to be told. But it is an odd, it's an interesting idea, this uh, not knowing what fear is. Is there anybody who doesn't fear? Well, I mean, to me, of course not. Everybody feels fear. Yeah, of some kind. But at the same yes. time, the fear holds you back as well because it shows actually these things that are m monstrous and horrifying yeah. and make you shudder and feel horrible. They're actually not something to, of which to be afraid. Yeah, no, exactly. You've got a creepy situation coming at him left, right and centre over the course of these three nights. And it feels creepy until he just says come on what are you playing at it's like yeah. he immediately undercuts the jeopardy of the situation yeah absolutely I also I love that he plays bowling with some dead men <laughs> yes. he but he's with like skulls. these skulls won't do he uses his lathe you know you never know when a lathe's going to come in handy it's true if you're trapped in a haunted castle for three days make sure you take your lathe with you just in case you need to fashion some bowling balls out of a human skull it took me by surprise that there was bowling in this story how old is bowling? So I looked it up, and apparently bowling can be traced back to the Egyptian proto-dynastic period, or around 3,200 BC. So it's pretty old. Wow. But it didn't properly kick off until the Middle Ages. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the mid-80s. <laughs> no, <laughs> Middle Ages. Uh, so it's, okay. it's been around a while, bowling. So these Egyptians are like, strike! <laughs> <laughs> So, would you like to hear a little bit more Ooh. about where this comes from? No, I've had no, enough. I've done with this story. <laughs> no, c c tell me. All right. The first and only similar literary source of something vaguely similar is one of the adventures of Sir Lancelot, one of the Knights mm -hmm. of the Round Table, where he has to spend a night in a haunted castle. That's the first example of this haunted castle trope. So, Sir Lancelot and the legend of Sir Lancelot predates this. Yeah. Oh, really? I think they're really old, those. I'll have a look. Okay. The legendary King Arthur supposedly uh, gained in popularity in the 12th century, the 1100s. Wow. Okay, that does predate by some time. Well, these, but that's the thing. These Brothers Grimm stories are meant to be old. I mean, what's the difference between a folk and a fairy tale? That's quite a difficult question. Uh, one way of, 
of looking at it is a folktale is something that's told orally and just spread around the populace. Hence the folk. Yeah. Yes. A fairy tale is when it's written down. Really? By some so class bloke. So it's not the content doesn't have to involve some sort of level of magic or something? Not necessarily, Where's no. the fairy come from? Uh, I'd love to know. I think that's a. I think it's a more complicated question than it sounds. Folk okay. and fairy tale. So fairy tale. I think that's. I think that's related to French, but it's that's the English word fairy tale. I don't. You don't have that word in German. It's there's a word for it for a specific type of Germ- Germanic tale. Hausmarken. Yeah. Yeah. Kinder und Hausmarken. And in English we have fairy tale. That's not a German word at all. So no. essentially, kind of like we said in the translations episode these stories came to England and sort of slotted into an existing framework of how we already categorized different stories. Mm-hmm. So fairy tale, folk tale, that's a kind of English dichotomy that perhaps right, doesn't exist okay, that's Okay, got you. I'm getting ahead. I don't really know what I'm talking <laughs> about here. This is dangerous territory. <laughs> but basically, yeah, so the first literary source of a similar story is from King Arthur because King Arthur, the tales were written down. However, these folk tales may, might have been around for thousands of years. Okay, yeah. This one is a very odd one to imagine being around for thousands of Uh, years. So in the first edition of the Brothers Grimm stories, it was a a story under a different name called Good Bowling and Card Playing. (laughs) Wow. So in the very first book the Brothers Grimm published of their fairy tales, this story didn't exist. There was one called Good Bowling and Card Playing. Basically, there's nothing about him being an idiot and not knowing what fear is which is the kind of central point of this story. Yeah. But it has the similar thing. The king says, whoever can go in a castle can marry my lovely daughter. So a youth thinks, I've got nothing to lose. And he goes, and then a leg comes down the chimney and the boy says, hey there, how about some more? And nine more come down. <laughs> and he thinks that's good for bowling, but I need a ball. And two skulls come down and he lathered them until they were smooth. So it's all the same like that. And two, uh-huh. two cats appear who are cold and want the fire and they offer to play the cards and he, he beats them to death as well. Uh, then the running bed, Adam's favourite part. No, that's, I just love that. But then that's one night and then those three events happen each recurring night. Oh, right. So the boy's like, oh, that's no thing, I've done, done it yeah, once. Ch- what? And then he married the princess or as it says in the story, a little jarringly, he was rewarded with the king's beautiful daughter. Ooh, which is a bit don't like uh, that. unpleasant. Yeah. That story, Good Bowling and Card Playing, is from an 18th century ballad from Philippine Engelhard. For the second edition, they changed it to the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear is. And this came from a written submission by a guy called Ferdinand Siebart from the village of Tracer near Cassel, so their home turf. Mm-hmm. And it was based on a source, Dorothea Wiemann, who is one of the sources that they used. Yeah. But the Grimms knew many, many different versions of this story. The final one that's printed that we've read is an amalgamation of two stories, one or two versions of this story, one from Mecklenburg and one from Zwern in Hesse. The game of Skittles played with the dead men's bones is inserted from a story from the district of Schwarm. So they've just added a part. So they've basically got all these different versions of this story and they're deciding which one to put in their Kindu and Hausmarch and yeah. Grimm's fairy tales. There are other versions collected from Paderborn and Zwern. There's one collected from Tyrol, which has a quite a cool trial that happens. So a spirit comes in the night who is entirely covered in knives. Whoa. And he orders the Tyrolese youth to sit down and have his beard shaved by him. So the guy covered in knives wants to shave the beard of the, the boy. 
Whoa. And as he's about to cut the boy's throat after he shaved him, the clock strikes 12 and he disappears. Oh, that's quite cool, isn't it? That's crazy. But they didn't put that in for some reason. Oh, what? Like and then that. Edward Scissorhands came along and nicked it. A similar character appears in an Icelandic story. Freidemar. Uh, he's apparently also a bit of a, a bit of a fool, but he wants to learn what rage is, Ooh. not fear. And the only other similar story uh, I found is one called "The Boy Who Found Fear at Last," which is a Turkish tale collected by Ignaz Kuonos, which is a similar idea. There's like a boy is thundering outside, and he's uh, he, everyone's afraid, and he's not. So he goes out on some adventures to learn what fear is. Okay. Some quite cool things happen to him. A woman strangles him with her feet, and he takes an ogre to court over a bracelet. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Whoa, what a like tagline. I want to know that. <laughs> that is a good tagline. Yeah. And it ends with the following line, which might shed a little light on the meaning of the story, of our story. He was told the king had died and had no heir, so a pigeon would be released. Whoever it perched on would be king. It perched on the boy, who was looking to learn fear. He had a vision of himself trying to make his poor subjects rich, his bad ones good, and never succeeding, and never being able to do as he wished. And he was terrified. So essentially he learns what yeah. fear is by the weight of responsibility. Yes. Possibly, yeah. in our version, the responsibility of marriage. I don't know. Maybe that's looking too deeply into it. Maybe. I mean, what's supposed to be the... Like the resolution of the story, got himself a, a lovely wife, and that's how he wins. Or does he win by being scared of the fish? Well, he he says he's not satisfied, even though he's got everything. In so the world. it is the resolution of the story is him shuddering for the first time. This is an odd, like way for a story to end. It is odd because he hasn't actually learnt what fear is. No, he's just got some fish on his skin, which would make you shudder. You don't even need a phobia for that, do you? You just wake up with load of gudgeons all over you. No one wants that. I love the idea of that being the last shot of the film before the credits. <laughs> just like, Ugh. I think we need to start a crowdfunder for this film. <laughs> can I? Can I be the innkeeper? I like the. Inn- I really have this image of them going into the inn, and he's like, "Oh, hello, boy. There's a haunted castle up there. What's well, that you say? You want to learn to shudder? Polishing a tankard. Uh, I've got a very. This is the most exciting thing I learned while okay. looking into this story. Now, do you remember he had fifty talers? Well, a taler or thala, it's spelled T-A-L-E-R, but I think it can also be spelled T-H-A-L-E-R, is a coin used for 400 years in Central Europe, originating in Bohemia, so modern-day Czech Republic. Uh, and a tal, or thal, means valley. So a tala is someone from the valley. Right. A dollar is a derivative of the word tala. Really? That's where the word dollar comes from. No way. Way. That's crazy. Dollar being sort of the most common term for like currency in the yeah, world i guess I yeah all I the different so. kinds of dollars yeah so that's yeah that's the story and that's where it comes from so basically there's loads of different versions of this story so it is a kind of it isn't just the brothers being a bit nutty the, these stories <laughs> were found all over german speaking right the and they mashed a couple together they've mashed yes. it up any uh, any thoughts on a score how could you score that there's nothing to go on kind of isn't is there it's no. not like anything before i feel you like that story yeah i'm gonna score it high. i mean certainly without a shadow of a doubt no story has made me laugh like that before <laughs> and i am a big fan of the bed <laughs> because <laughs> in the midst of all these menacing things like properly scary things you've got a bed that runs off and then goes <laughs> and falls on him like, pop, pop. what is that all about so 
for the bed alone, this is going to be a <laughs> high score. That's three points already. Yeah. I'm going to give this an 8.5. I liked that story. Yeah, 8.5. What about you? I'm angling between a 7 and a 7.5. Okay. I'm going to give it 7.5. I'm uh, feeding off your enthusiasm. <laughs> it is a good one. It's, it's an absolute peach. Next up. Godfather death. <gasps> yes! <laughs> oh, I can't wait for this one. This is going to be fantastic. The title alone. Godfather death. My lips are sealed. Godfather death. So we've been thinking and we want to get you guys involved uh, in choosing one of the next stories. So we've come up with a short list of three stories uh, that we want you, the listeners, to choose from. uh, And that will be one of the stories that we read next. So the short list is as follows. Rapunzel, the elves and the shoemaker and the robber bridegroom. So which of those are you most tempted by? Which of those do you want to hear? Maybe you know them already and you just want to hear it on the podcast. Maybe you're just intrigued by the title. Uh, Let us know uh, which one you want us to read and the one with the most votes will be one of the ones we read next on the podcast. I couldn't help but notice there, Adam, that those are quite famous stories. They are quite famous. Lucky you guys. And uh, how how would I vote on this uh, if I were so inclined, Adam? Excellent question, Matt. Thanks for asking. You will be able to do that by emailing us, grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com, just letting us know the story you want to hear and maybe give us a bit of a reason. Uh, You could do that also by leaving comments on Instagram posts, Facebook, on our Podbean site, on our WordPress site, and on Twitter. And there will also be a Twitter poll, which you can easily vote on. In four episodes time, we will have the results. The winner will be read out on the pod. So we've got a few more episodes. We've got Godfather Death to do, The Knapsack, The Hat and The Horn. Then I think we're going to do a special episode looking at the Arne Thompson Uther Index Classification System. Uh, and then it, I think it'll be after that. Yeah, after that so episode. four episodes time. We'll see. We're, we're kind of trying to <laughs> do the maths. You do and, the maths. And uh, figure it out. I'm excited. I know which one I want to hear. All right. Very exciting. What were those stories again? Rapunzel, the elves and the shoemaker, and the robber bridegroom. Open now. We should, we need to get on that. Sorting <laughs> that out. Well, I'll see you next week yeah. for Godfather Death. Godfather Death. See you later. Bye. See ya. Bye. You can email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at Grim Reading Pod. Also on Instagram and Facebook, Grim Reading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. Keep it grim.